guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. Two years ago, I hit rock bottom. And if you listen to my podcast on the regular, you'll know I have an episode called One Year Ago, I Hit Rock Bottom. It is episode 22, June 2022 is when I recorded it. And it was the celebration of one year in therapy, one year on antidepressants. And that feels like yesterday, but I can't believe it's been almost a year since I talked about that stuff with you guys. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know that back in November, I got off of antidepressants and I feel like I owe you guys a little bit of a mental health update, a little bit of a life update. So let's jump into that. I have no script for this and I'm just going to chat with you guys. I'm going to pretend you're all sitting here in my room with me and we're going to chat. So back in November 2022, I decided that I wanted to get off antidepressants because I felt like I was in a really good place with therapy. Therapy was giving me a lot of good resources and options of how to cope with a lot of stressors. And the type of therapy I was going through was situational. My therapist is specialized in postpartum and mental health in motherhood. So with her, it was kind of like a goal setting therapy. Like once you meet certain goals, you move on to the next and or you kind of just graduate from therapy. A lot of people were like really shook when I explained that because there are therapists that do like maintenance therapy. This specific type of therapy I was doing was very situational. Um, I think my diagnosis was called like adjustment disorder, secondary to postpartum depression and anxiety. So I felt like therapy was going really well. I was meeting a lot of my goals. I was feeling good every week and I was able to utilize the techniques that my therapist gave me in everyday life. And of course, I'm not perfect. So there were days where I would definitely not use any of the techniques and then other days where I felt like really good about it. And with my therapist's And doctor, I have a nurse practitioner actually who handles all my mental health stuff. The three of us decided together that we would try weaning off antidepressants. And sure enough, it was hard, but it worked. In in my eyes, I think it worked. I was on the antidepressant because I was having intrusive thoughts, panic attacks, chest pain, a lot of physical symptoms associated with my anxiety, which was secondary to motherhood and just life with kids and postpartum hormones. I'm over two years out now and I just stopped breastfeeding Mila. I think it was like, I don't know, a month ago. And so my hormones are still shifting a little. I do feel emotional here and there, but I feel like a lot of those symptoms have completely resolved. And weaning the antidepressant, it was just time for me. I didn't want to be on it, but I also told myself that if I had to go back on or if if I had to be on it for a long time and 
try it again, like I would be totally open to that because I loved what it did for me. It it did exactly what it needed to. It helped me through one of the hardest seasons of my life. And there are some people that have to be on antidepressants forever. And I have no judgment around that. For me personally, I wanted to try to create certain habits for myself that I can do without antidepressants. Weaning off antidepressants was not easy. I had a lot of headaches. I had a lot of fog, mental fog, and I hated how I felt physically. And honestly, like thinking back on it now, I can't exactly remember how I felt, but I just remember not liking it at all and thinking to myself, oh my God, I don't want to do this again. So I better just work really hard in therapy so that I don't have to do this again. I haven't had any physical symptoms of anxiety or depression that I originally decided to go on antidepressants for. I continued therapy and I'm still in therapy. It is now April. And as of a month ago, my therapist and I decided together that I was ready to start weaning from therapy. And like I said before, This type of therapy was very situational. She does not offer maintenance therapy because she doesn't believe that that really fixes any situation. And those types of sessions, like the maintenance ones, if you only go like once a month, she feels that they're just more like venting sessions. I did tell her, I was like, please don't make me go meet someone new. What if I need you for like every other week or, you know, this and that. And she said that she would wean me and we would see how I feel. And she would have like a close out session where she explains like what things to look out for, what things to pay attention to in order to decide whether I need to contact her again. She also said that she would always be there for me if I ever needed to jump back into therapy. So that made me feel really good. I did cry. The day that she told me I was ready to graduate from therapy, I did cry. I was like bawling. I was like, I just love you. And I just don't know if I could do this without you. I mean, two years of my most intimate and hardest part of life I spent with this woman and she heard it all. And I it felt like I was going through a breakup. Like it felt like she was leaving me and she reassured me that she's not leaving me. And that really made me feel good. Um, So how we're doing it is every two weeks we are meeting. Today was the first day we met on a biweekly basis. And she, the first thing she asked me was, so how did it feel like having two weeks off? Did a lot of things come up that you needed to talk to me about? And honestly, no, they didn't. Like I felt really good. I was excited to talk to her, but also there were some things happening in that two week period that I was kind of embarrassed to talk to her about because it's, it's hard to talk about your vulnerable aspects of life with somebody, especially when you feel like you're the villain. And today we actually talked about villain mentality. You know how there's like victim mentality and then there's villain mentality. And you hear about people saying like, oh, she's playing the victim, this and that. And I tend to always feel like I'm the villain in situations. Like I don't want to be the one that's like, oh, poor me. But I, in my head, am thinking, 
oh my God, what did I do? How can I fix this? I messed up. I did this to this person. I said this wrong. So I have this mentality that I'm the villain. And we kind of dove into that a little bit today. And the reason all that came up is because you guys know, I did share in an episode with Tom recently that we've been just kind of in a marital low and we're still like kind of trucking through that low. We aren't like bad, but we're just very emotionally disconnected right now. And I was telling her about how that emotional disconnect I'm having with Tom has made me feel very insecure in our marriage. And I've I've never felt insecure in my relationship with Tom. So I feel like this is really hard to navigate for me. And I told her like, In my mind, logically and rationally, I know that it is not true. I know that I'm not the villain. I know that I did nothing wrong. I know that it is equal parts just having a hard time communicating, having a hard time emotionally connecting. And like Tom tells me over and over again how he admits his faults and how he wants to work on himself and how... Um, he will literally tell me (laughs) that it's not me. And I still in my head feel like I'm the villain. So we kind of dove into that. We talked about how that could be something that stems from childhood and relationships I've had in my past that have made me feel like I was always wrong. I was always at fault. So we ended our session today with homework. She asked me to Next time I'm having those feelings of like insecurity, focus on feeling where it is in your body that you're feeling this insecurity. And what does it feel like? What's it doing to you? And these tasks always feel so silly to me. Like, what does me feeling my body have anything to do with my thinking? But apparently it does. So I'm just going to trust her. She tells me that even though I rationally and logically know that I'm not the villain, My prefrontal cortex has completely shut off because there is a situation in my either childhood or early adulthood where I experienced this like blaming type stuff where I was made the villain. So now I'm naturally just gravitate towards that and I can't use my prefrontal cortex. And I talk about the prefrontal cortex on social media often when I talk about toddlers because toddlers have a very limited to zero developed prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex. Wow. Say that like five times in a row. Your prefrontal cortex is where all your rational thinking happens. Like your impulses are controlled. You know, like how to rationally make decisions without acting like a cray cray. Well, toddlers don't have a well-developed prefrontal and your prefrontal doesn't fully develop until your mid-20s. So anything before my mid-20s could have happened to me that has caused this traumatic experience and now I'm like struggling through it. With all that said, Tom and I did decide to start therapy and I'm really excited. It's something that we wanted to do for years because we just wanted to have a strong marriage because parenting is hard. And I feel like having kids really changes your whole dynamic in your relationship. And I think it's really important to grow together and figure out ways to communicate. And having a mediator is just going to work really well for us, I think. That's all kind of in the works, so I'll keep you guys in the loop when that happens and how that's going. 
I'm excited. I'm nervous. I sometimes get annoyed. Like, I feel like we should just figure it out on our own. But I do know that that's not the case. Like, being in a relationship is hard. No matter how much you love each other, being in a romantic relationship does not come naturally easy unless you're in like your little honeymoon phase and are living the best life, no kids, you know, like living that easy life. (laughs) Not that life is easy in any era, but like having kids completely changes your life. One thing I do want to talk about, because this really helped me through therapy, and if there's anything you take away from this episode, it's this. I want to talk about the window of tolerance. And this is something my therapist and I talked about like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. And I wrote it down because it really resonated with me. And we actually talked about it again today just to kind of reiterate how it works, what it looks like, and what I should be doing. So window of tolerance is the window that you have really good flow of feelings and actions in your life. For example, when you're in your window of tolerance, you are uplifting, positive, resourceful, understanding, empathetic, creative, grounded, calm, rested, confident, clear-headed, hopeful. You have this like, it will be okay. It's going to work out mentality. You're honest. You make eye contact. You just feel like you feel confident. That's your window of tolerance. And in every day, you can leave your window of tolerance to go either hyper-aroused or hypo-aroused. And the way I have this is I have it on a sheet of paper and I have it drawn out. Your window of tolerance is usually smaller when you are dealing with a lot of things in your life. So for me, for example, I was going through postpartum depression and anxiety. So my window of tolerance was very small. Also, it was small because I didn't really have a lot of coping strategies with my anxiety. As you work on your window of tolerance, as you work on Working through your hyperarousal states or hypoarousal states, your window of tolerance gets bigger. You're never meant to stay inside the window of tolerance all the time. Like you can be inside that window one minute and the next minute you can be out of it. The goal is to spend more time inside that window so you can make it bigger. I will actually just type this up and put it in the notes for you guys to download because I think it's a great visual. For me personally, I was often in a hyper arousal state, which is outside of the window of tolerance. And in this state, people are typically angry. They want more control. They're mean. They're yelling. They're paranoid. Um, They could have physical symptoms like head floating, tension, clenching, chest pain, body tension. Um, They're typically aggressive. They're ready for action, disrespectful, um, shallow breasts. And when you're in a hyper arousal state, you want to calm down. Like you want to do things that are calming and slowing. So you would do things like breath work, meditation, and doing things that aren't like necessarily arousing. Go to a quiet place, go to a quiet room, um, things like that. When you're in a hypoarousal state, aka checked out or depressed, like a low state, I don't often go into this state, but I've been there and I hate it. Ugh. 
Typically, these people don't care. They just want to get away. They want someone else to deal with it. Uh, Their heart rate is lower. They feel foggy, unmotivated, overwhelmed, tired, nauseous, chest pain, unloved, judged, and have a lot of tears, tired, like want to sleep all the time. This is a hypoarousal state. This is also outside of your window of tolerance. When you're feeling this kind of state, and I was actually feeling this over the winter, and my therapist and I worked through ways I can get out of that funk because I was having like really bad winter blues. I just felt unmotivated. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't care. So what she had me do is grounding exercises and movement. So movement is ideal when you're feeling hypo. You want to go exercise. You want to go for a walk, throw a ball. And not to like, not because of your health, but because you want to physically make movement with your body. You want to arouse that body to get out of that funk. Grounding exercises are really good if you don't want to like go for a walk. You can this is an exercise my therapist had me do. I would stand up and put my plant my feet on the ground and just be very mentally aware of where my feet were and then just walk around the room. That's it. Like feel your body, feel the ground, feel heavy. Like let yourself feel that heaviness of your feet on the ground and that typically will get you like aroused and moving. So I'm not a pro. This is just how my therapist explained it to me. And I love having the visual. My goal is to dip into these techniques of grounding and or breath work or meditation and calming when I'm feeling myself outside of the window of tolerance. And the more you practice it, the easier it gets. I promise you. Oftentimes I get out of my window of tolerance when my kids are driving me crazy, which is every day. Every day there's a a handful of moments where my kids are like loud or crazy or jumping around. And it gets me, it gets me so worked up. And then I the first feeling I feel is like clenching and tension in my body. And usually my tension I feel is in my butt cheeks and my legs. Um, That's always awkward having to explain to my therapist, but, and people can feel tension anywhere, like your neck, your hands, your eyes, your head, your feet. Mine happens to be my butt. Cool. So when I start noticing that I'm getting worked up, like I'm tense. I focus on taking deep breaths and just like putting my feet on the ground and trying to relax the areas where I'm tensing. Sometimes I have to like walk away. Other times I lose my shit and start yelling. I mean, I'm not perfect, but the goal is just to be aware of your body and and I promise you it works. It sounds crazy, but it works. So window of tolerance is one thing that I really wanted to share with you guys that I've been using in the last year since we last talked. Um, as far as motherhood and how I feel, I feel happy. I feel good. I have less shame and guilt around things. I mean, naturally, I do every day still have shame and guilt, but generally I feel like I'm a good mom. I'm working hard to be the best version of me. And on the days that I fail, I'm able to recover and apologize. Um, So the next steps we're going to tackle here is our marriage because that's obviously the foundation of a family. I tackled myself. I did it. I took care of me. I put me first and it's going to make a difference in my family's life forever and in my life. One thing that I want you to really think about is are you 
putting yourself first. Because when you put yourself first, that's when everyone else will be happy. When you're neglecting your mental health and your own basic needs, your family is going to suffer too. So I know this is easier said than done. There are simple things that you can do every day to help your mental health. Um, I'm going to link some episodes below that I think are really good resources for that. But honestly, you guys, if you just think like sleep, water, sunlight, and movement, if you can do those things, and I know it's hard. Some days you're just like, I can't, I can't, I'm tired. I don't want to do any of this. Like yesterday, I barely went outside, but my goal is to spend at least 10 minutes outside a day. And sleep is is a doozy. Like, I get it. But try your best. Try to be in bed by 10. Those are all little things that you can start changing about yourself to feel better. Um, I hope this was a fun little chit chat. I had fun talking. I wish you guys were actually here with me so we can like have a convo about it. But window of tolerance, I will put a little graphic in the notes below for you. And if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Let me know if you want more chit chat type stuff and what you want me to talk about. I love updating you guys on my life because I know it feels like you're in it alone. It feels like you're the only one going through this, but trust me, you're not. I will tell you right now, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages a day saying, wow, I feel the same. So we're all kind of doing it together and it's okay to have shitty days. Leave me a review. Come back next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.